When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here with Mike K for the latest episode of the No Huddle Show. Uh, right before training camp, maybe, question mark, edition. Uh, training camp is supposed to start on Tuesday. Some rookies and quarterbacks and injured players around the league have started reporting in air quotes. It's actually just them uh, getting COVID tested, and then it's like a whole process where they they work remotely for the next day, and then they get tested again. And if they're negatively tested both times, they can start reporting the facility. So. It's like a weird uh, schedule where I'm not even exactly sure what like an exact date is where I don't even think the league is yet where guys will actually be on the field doing stuff. That's probably going to be for a while. But um, how how are you feeling about training camp even starting on time, considering all of that, Mike? Well, you know, next Tuesday, I mean, it's it's Thursday and next Tuesday. It's crazy. We have no idea right now. Right. I mean, well, look, here's what's helping them is that when everybody returns on the 28th, it's just for testing. And I think that that's something like so it doesn't place like a hard deadline. As long as they can agree on the health and health protocols, it doesn't seem like it's going to hold up the start of training camp. I think the financial pitfalls could be something that still causes some unrest. If anything, it maybe causes a stoppage of reporting. Um, But I will say, like, I'm more optimistic about the season starting on time than I was probably about a month ago. Uh, And talking to other colleagues, it kind of seems that way. I don't know how you feel about that. But it's when when they were able to kind of reach an agreement, at least a baseline agreement, I kind of felt like maybe this could happen. Yeah, yeah, I've, I definitely feel better about the idea of it starting on time than I did like a week or two ago, or definitely a month ago. But I, there's still like, we still need to see how it plays out in training camp is the big thing. Like, it, if it's not, if the protocols aren't right or in place, or a lot of guys test positive, or, you know, when they go home, they don't adhere to like social distancing. Like, there's a lot more players, staff, coaches, to consider than in any of the other sports that are kind of doing this right now and seem to be doing well. The NBA bubble is like so far, it's still early. It's working really well. Baseball is kind of the one I'm watching in terms of the NFL, because they're going to be flying from place to place. I know NHL is doing a bubble in Canada. So the NFL does not have a bubble like in any way, shape or form. And they kind of really can't just because of the nature of like the size of these rosters and stuff, which we're going to get into a little bit because they're going to be cutting down the rosters. Uh, it sounds like, um, yeah, just to, to cover all the bases of what we're going to talk about today, you know, where there's some um, the, the news about the preseason being eliminated. We're going to talk about that. The rosters being cut down. Uh, you, me, and two of our other NFL writers wrote, wrote a piece where we kind of said what we think the NFL, sh- what we would do if we were in charge of like how the NFL would run their schedule this year based on everything going on. Uh, just looking ahead to some training camp storylines. And uh, then we have a, a little announcement towards the end uh, that we'll get to, but uh, let's start with the elimination of preseason. I know you want to cover that in terms of like what guys are most impacted by that. And this kind of ties in with the roster thing, but where, where, where does your head stand in terms of uh, guys who are being hurt? I feel like Jalen Hurts is probably an obvious one because he's not getting any time in the offense, right? Right. I mean, well, you know, you look at this offseason as a whole, 
you know, none of these rookies are really getting time. I mean, you look at a guy like Jalen Rager, who's actually the youngest player on the roster, and a lot of people are expecting him to be an immediate weapon for this offense. That's pretty difficult when you're backing up Deshaun Jackson at the Z receiver spot and you're not really getting a, a lot of live reps. Like, it, that's difficult to do. Um, I think there's going to be a pretty large learning curve, but not even not even talking about the contributors, like the immediate contributors. I think this is going to hurt like at least 20 players on the roster not having this this preseason, because as you mentioned before, there's a likelihood that they cut rosters down to 80 players uh, before the start of training camp. So you've got like right now, the Eagles are at 88 players. They recently cut Trevor Williams uh, center Keegan Render, um, Alex Ellis, and then uh, your former, uh, you know, guy you used to cover, Khalil Tate. Uh, they're down to 88 players. They have an exception for the International Pathway Program for Matt Leo, who's a defensive end from Australia who played at Iowa State. So it remains to be seen if they get to keep 81 players or if the NFL is just going to say, you know what, in the interest of, of safety, just cut another one of your undrafted guys. But I do think it's going to be a problem for a lot of these players that are trying to make this team, because not only do you not have the preseason, you're probably limiting your roster even further. Um, I think when you look at guys like like Albert Huggins, who was on the roster for a minute last year, you look at a guy like Raekwon Williams, both those guys play at a defensive tackle position that has a lot of veterans, has a lot of depth. You look at somebody like Joe Osman, who's coming off an ACL tear. How is he going to push himself to make the roster over guys that they've invested draft picks in, in Sharif Miller and Casey Tuhill, and they traded a fourth round pick to get Jannard Avery. Like these guys are at like set disadvantages, um, you know, and I think that's a concern if you're the Eagles. That said, there's talk of maybe expanding the, the, the already expanded practice squad rosters from 12 to 16. That's great and all. Uh, and I think teams will take advantage of that, but if you're not seeing how these guys are in game action, how are you really evaluating? I know practice makes perfect and practice is something that coaches preach, but I've seen guys go out there and look great in practice and they can't make a squad. Mark and, Mark and Michelle last year was phenomenal in practice. Couldn't make Or, or, or Carlton Agadosi was another one. Right. Yeah. He played well. He's not even on a, a roster right now. So like, I just think like, from that perspective, it's difficult. And then you look at the changes on the offensive line. We look at the conversion of Jason Peters to right guard, a position he's never played, a side of the line that he hasn't played in 15 years. You look at Andre Dillard, who the, the team is counting on to take a ginormous step forward, and he's already not had uh, a physical practice or, or physical one-on-one -on -one work in the offseason program, but now he's really going to have a limited amount of contact from a from a training camp perspective and a preseason perspective. So I think like this is going like there's going to be really sloppy football to start this season and we'll talk about it a little a little bit later in in our thoughts about what we would do from like the NFL perspective with how we would handle the start of the season, but I just like from my standpoint um I don't understand what the rush is to get this season to go on time. And I think it's, yeah, it, I, I think you're putting a lot of people at a disadvantage, not just from a talent or a job evaluation standpoint, but literally from an injury evaluation standpoint, because look, there are guys that, you know, for you younger listeners back in the day where there used to be like 
10 holdouts of first round picks into training camp, a lot of those guys would get injured almost immediately if they weren't well conditioned. And if a bunch of guys are showing up to camp, not in great condition because they've been working on their own and doing their own thing, like that could be a problem. Like you could have a lot of soft tissue injuries. You could have some ACL injuries. Like it's doable if you're not conditioned well and you're not, you know, you don't have like a really good um, conditioning plan or a diet plan. It can be rough for some of these guys. Well, yeah, I, I talked to Chris Sims uh, the other day, and he said he thinks players are going to come in as out of shape as they ever have been. Um, and one point that he pointed out that you kind of touched on here, but even goes beyond the preseason part, is that they're not even going to have contact practices until the end. And that's only going to be about 10 practices, I think, was the estimation, or maybe it was even less than that. That's what they remember. were. That's what they were. That's what the P- NFLPA wanted. Yeah. Um, so that would mean that they're basically only getting like less than two weeks of contact before the season starts. Like you're going to see in theory, a lot of soft tissue injuries. And it's like, you're saying like why the NFL acts like they care about player safety. Clearly they have evidence over the years that they do not actually care about that outside of just making up some rules to make it the game a little safer, I guess. But like move the, even if it's a couple weeks and like, so we're going to get into this, but it just seems ridiculous to me that they're going to throw the players out there. However, after having no off season work on the field together, where they're all doing it on their own. And then expect them to go out in week one and play, you know, football that fans enjoy watching. And I mean, people are going to watch it. It's the NFL. But um, and, and I think that that's another point we should both. I think we both agree that we understand why they canceled the preseason, even if it's going to stink that they did in terms of like getting the players ready. Yeah, I mean, I would have done one preseason game. I don't see how that hurts. You, you give the starters a quarter and then you let the guys competing for roster spots really get into it. But like. When you look at this roster, and I did a series early, like a couple of weeks ago, about like the long shots, the guys in the bubble, and the locks. Really, there are thirty-five locks on this team. If you really like study the roster, then there's about thirty to thirty-five guys in the bubble, and then there's a bunch of long shots. And I mean, the long there's twenty long shots or whatever. Now it's I guess like sixteen. But like, if you're cutting all the long shots right away. Um, those guys on the bubble, that's 30 to 35 guys competing for 17 spots, um, just to make the roster. And, and in theory, it's, if you want to count the practice squad and let's say they move it to 16, that's six. I mean, that's 70 players competing for 69 spots. Uh, so I mean, I don't know how you're evaluating guys just basically on practice. I, I just like, I get it. I get that's you, you want to see good technique and you want to see certain things put into place and you want to be able to teach, but just, it just seems like from a game speed perspective, this is going to get off to a very rough start. Yeah. And I was thinking, I feel like you're going to see, I mean, this generally happens anyway, but maybe not to this extent that almost the entirety of practice squads are going to be made up of guys that are just like on the roster already. Because you just don't know. I mean, maybe if you trust your scouting in a guy, you scouted out of out of college, and he becomes available. But I think you're going to see a lot of guys just staying where they are, and it's almost going to make retroactively this undrafted rookie class as important as any in recent history. And maybe teams didn't realize that when it was happening. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I just think for, they're going to supposedly they're going to do an exemption where any player can be on the practice squad. So, like in 
you could realistically put Nigel Bradham on a practice squad. I guess it, 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 the way I've read it. Um, oh yeah, is, oh, yeah. is that a th- like you can have two guys no matter how many years they've been in the league, kind of thing? You, well, typically you can. Now I think you can have like the whole practice squad could be like legit NFL players. Is the way it sounds. Oh, the whole practice squad. I didn't realize. Yeah, that unless I misread that, but um, that's interesting. I mean, that's why you're going to see a lot. Every team is going to have like a fourth quarterback. That's maybe not like an undrafted guy at this point, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think Kyle Law. Well, Kyle let, Yeah, he'll have that role for the Eagles. Yeah. Unless somebody becomes available, they really like, I guess. Yeah. I mean, look, this is going to be one of those things where pr- the practice squad isn't necessarily. I mean, look, the Eagles have a lot of experience in calling guys up from the practice squad. They don't typically go outside the realm to bring in guys to fill the bottom of the roster. Like, if there's a major injury, they'll trade for somebody or or what have you. But typically. Like they'll bring up the Greg Wards and the De- Deontay Burnett's and the Rob Davises and all and uh, the Boston Scotts. Like that's something they have a lot of practice doing. So and they, uh, Doug Peterson is very hands on with the practice squad guys. The entire staff is. They treat that as an extension of the roster, probably better than most teams. Um, so I think they'll be capable of getting guys prepared if they are on the practice squad. The issue I have is how are you fitting this whole thing in? with only 10 contact practices and what happens, you know, we, we talk about players, but what happens if Doug Peterson catches COVID? What happens if Jim Schwartz catches COVID? Like, I think obviously the successor to Jim Schwartz would be Matt Burke, who's a former defensive coordinator. He's got a lot of veterans on that side of the ball, but then you look at the offensive side of the ball and I guess Gangarello would be the play caller in a pinch or press Taylor, but really, outside of Deuce Staley and Scangarello, there aren't really a lot of, like, veteran guys. Stoutland, yes, but, like, is Stoutland really going to call plays while he's coaching up the offensive line? Um, I'm, I'm that, that is a concern. I'm more concerned, like, if the whole quarterback room gets it or, like, the whole offensive line gets it because there's the whole close contact thing where if, a, if somebody tests positive, then all the people who have been in close contact with him also have to at least quarantine until they get, like, two negative tests in a – 24 hour stretch or whatever it is. So like that, that's, that's something that all teams are kind of battling with. I'm sure. Well, ta- talking to some people in the league, it sounds like they're going to do their best to make all meetings virtual. So that mm-hmm. way you but here's the problem. You're out on the field yeah, and you're chatting it up. How do you, I mean, I guess everybody's going to wear like those mask things that uh, Oakley made, but like, well, that's not even a guarantee. Yet. Right. Still, like, negotiating that. Yeah. Right. So it's just like, there's so many unknowns and I just feel like <laughs> we have more questions than answers entering training camp. And you know, that's fine when it's like roster battles, but when it's health concerns and like l- season projections and everything like that, I mean, look, the fantasy football business is going to be taking a massive hit in the fact that I don't think a lot of people are going to want to, be heavily involved financially in fantasy football because you know at least from an all-season perspective because realistically you don't know what you're going to get on a given week there could be a you know you go from worrying about injuries to worrying about a pandemic i read an article the other day you know the eagles depth's going to be tested this season and it might not just because of it be because of injuries It, it could be because you know a guy gets sick on the roster and i think um the Eagles are really going to have to, I mean, every team's going to have to prepare for worst case scenarios. Yeah. Let's, let's get into uh, 
the, the article that we wrote together uh, today uh, where we each gave our thoughts. You and I had kind of the most similar answers of the group where we had one writer, Matt Lombardo, who thinks they should cancel the season, another Chris Ryan who thinks they should just kind of go on as scheduled and uh, and then see what happens kind of thing. But um, my, my thing was I think they should both move the season back a couple weeks, two to three weeks, and eliminate – uh, three to four games total on the season, like two in the front end, two on the back end, and then uh, you know, sort of. I, I think they have it, have it built in so they can eliminate some games from the schedule if they have to. So essentially, you have a twelve game season, and I think it would make sense if you gave every team another buy. Uh, and my thought process behind that was in part because there's a good chance that at some point a team gets a bunch of t- positive tests or a significant player, and if you're adding another buy into the season, then in theory, you know it would give another week for that whole team to recover or whatever. Like you can't plan for when it will happen, but if you put a bye week in the beginning of the season and then another one at the middle or whatever it is, the, they're going to have to rearrange the schedule in this scenario. But I think 12 games is reasonable. The, the only reason they wouldn't do that is I think if this season happens, the NFL is going to do everything in its power to make it a full schedule because that's a lot of money. If you the, Every game you eliminate, you lose a lot of money. So, Yeah, um, as I mentioned before, without fans in the stands, uh, I don't really see a massive point in starting the season on time you're also yeah. not really competing with other events because if there's no you know fans in the stands for football there aren't going to be fans in the stands for wells fargo there aren't going to be fans in the stands for citizen bank like this is venues aren't going to be packed so you're not competing with like traffic so you have to, yeah you don't have to deal with the scheduling part of it yeah right you're, there's no conflicts here so no concerts right so my thought process is you you either don't start the season until October 1st, which would be the Thursday night game where you would uh, where you would have to start the season or you just cut the first three games of the season uh, or you, you figure out a way to move it. Now, that could be difficult because week one's a division game for the Eagles. They play the Redskins uh, on the 13th. I think the smartest move uh, is to just push the season back uh, to an October start. You can still have everything scheduled out the same way. It's just back three weeks. Um, and then you just basically move the preseason. I mean, you move the playoffs back three weeks and the Super Bowls move back a month, I guess. But like, here's the thing, because that way it's not really impacting free agency. It's not really impacting like the senior bowl happens during the playoffs anyway, you know, the combine, maybe the combines the week after the Super Bowl. then this time, um, like you can, it's, you're not losing anything if you move the combine back a few weeks, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. because free agency would start a couple of weeks later, uh, and you're kind of still in like the same time frame. like Deshaun Hall tore his ACL in week 17, the last week of December, instead of tearing it in the last week of December, he's tearing it in the second or third week of January. You know what I mean? So it's not like a huge time difference. The timetable isn't that big uh if you're concerned about injuries or a lack of an off season or anything like that um if and any- they couldn't have any they couldn't have any more lack of an off season than they have this year right so. exactly and i think it also gives you time to kind of rewind and you don't really have to affect next season maybe you move next season start back a week or something um just to accommodate guys but uh here's the, the reality the worst look for the this for the nfl is having a, is doing what the WWE did with WrestleMania where there was no crowd and you know crowds are everything in 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 live sports and the thought of the Super Bowl being played without a crowd to me is a horrific look for the NFL 
it's it shows all the tone deafness of really trying to get this thing off the ground when and and test players daily when there are people out there that can't get tests you know as regular citizens um and that's not a political thing that's just from a timing standpoint there's no need to rush this season give the 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 team the teams another month of hard practices so they can prepare their bodies prepare their physicality um and then maybe you know the benefit here is that given those extra three weeks maybe by next year there's a vaccine and you can start welcoming people back into stadiums towards december or january and then you have playoff atmospheres that have fans and people are excited to be in there because think about it a team like the Browns who hasn't who haven't been to the playoffs in forever, imagine them making the playoffs and they can't share that with their fans. Um, you know, like historic stuff. The Las Vegas Raiders, let's say they make the playoffs their first year in Vegas and they're not able to really celebrate it with their fans. Um, this league is built around fans and the fan experience in a lot of ways. And I think if the NFL wants to make money, I mean, they can, they should still probably play a full season. They're going to play a full season. I think whether they move it or not, I just think from their perspective, moving it back three weeks does nothing to hurt them. Maybe it doesn't solve anything, but at least you tried. Yeah. It, it just seems like so obvious to even just a couple, if you have to move training camp back a couple weeks, if not a full month, like it just seems so obvious. And I don't know why they haven't done it, but. NFL has been the whole offseason has been we're going according to plan until we have to change it pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you know, like from a health and safety standpoint, I'm just very concerned about injuries and conditioning. Like that's my concern. I think the NFL will do right by the players as far as testing and everything, but that's only like kind of a baseline uh for their for their needs. Like you're you're setting a baseline. You have to be able to strengthen condition these guys uh, to be prepared for live games and without the preseason and without that lack of contact, it's going to be very difficult to see good football and healthy football come September. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's transition to a little actual football talk. If training camp does start on time or whatever it looks like or whatever, we should preview it as if it's a regular training camp, even if it's not. And um, we can start with position battles off the top of my head. I feel like the big ones are probably cornerback and, just whatever they do at wide receiver, right? Would that be accurate? Yeah, I mean, I think I think those are big. I think the middle linebacker spot's interesting. I think when you look at how they're going to replace Malcolm Jenkins, I don't think it's just going to be one guy. I don't think it's as simple as Jalen Mills just being Jalen Mills and playing strong safety. I think it's going to be a group effort, a concerted effort. Uh, and then I think another really intriguing battle that's not necessarily talked about a lot is the third running back because there's not a lot of experience in that running back room and the running back position isn't a a place where there needs to be a ton of experience. So I think that's pretty interesting. You know, you look at, um, like they have a lot of their starters set in place, but I think depth is going to be so concerning for every team around the league that you really have to pay attention to every single battle and every single person on this roster. Yeah, I agree. Um, so like if you're predict, if you're handicapping all these position battles, like who are you predicting for each spot? So I think the number two cornerback job is Avante Maddox's to lose. I think Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas will compete with him. Um, I think they've put in a lot of work this off season to improve their technique. They've worked with some pretty notable trainers in the off season. Um, 
you know, it's a matter of like Rasul Douglas had to take a pay cut. Uh, Sidney Jones has not been consistent as far as staying healthy or performance wise. He made a couple of really big plays last year, though. Uh, They both have upside, but I also see them competing for one spot. You're not going to keep both of those guys. Uh, I think what hurts Rasul Douglas is that he's not versatile and they want to make this a positionless secondary where if Darius Slay moves around the lineup, they have guys who can play multiple spots. So they can disguise coverages and disguise blitzes. And Rasul's just not that guy. They view him primarily and almost singularly as an outside cornerback. Uh, Sidney Jones obviously has some experience in the slot. He can kind of move around a little bit, but are you really going to trust that he can stay healthy for 16 games? Um, that's a problem too. Look, Avante's had his, his, uh, injury histories as well. Uh, whether it be the freak accident with Zendejo or the lower body injury his rookie year. Um, he is only five, nine. Uh, I know that's a thing, but a lot of people don't have that issue. If you've been a fan of football for a long time, Brendan flowers was very successful, uh, on the outside. Jason Moret when healthy was very successful. Uh, the team seems to like him a lot. Now, Rasul Douglas has been working out with Darius Lane in the offseason. Cindy Jones has been working out with Will Parks and, and Roddy McLeod and, and all those guys. So uh, I think this competition is really interesting, but I do think it's Maddox's to win or Maddox's to lose, I guess. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then you look at linebacker. TJ Edwards seems to be the guy at middle linebacker. They brought in Jatavis Brown, who stunningly makes the most money out of anybody in the room at 875,000. So you add up all the, the, uh, the, the salaries in the linebacker room, there's eight guys. Uh, they all make less than Brandon Graham's going to make this year. So uh, as a group, so um, look, the Eagles don't seem to really care that much about the linebacker position just because they run so many three safety looks and heavy nickel looks their base package. The base package in the NFL is essentially the nickel, the nickel setup. So they're either playing two linebackers or they're playing three safeties. And that means in a lot of instances, there's only one linebacker on the field. That's probably going to be Nate Gary. Um, TJ Edwards needs to show he can play in coverage and in space. The, the coaching staff loves Nate Gary, despite what everybody else thinks uh, for better or worse. And then I think when you look at the running back position, Mike Warren, the undrafted free agent, is a guy that that interests me a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of competition at the nickel corner spot between um, Nicole Roby Coleman, who I think is one of the more underrated signings in the NFL this offseason. Uh, he's competing with Craven LeBlanc. But there's some follow through with the outside cornerback spot, because if Avante Maddox falters on the outside, it's likely that they move Avante inside or as a rover kind of corner where he can play everywhere. And that might knock somebody like Craven LeBlanc off the roster just because of a numbers game. So uh, I'm interested to see how the secondary plays out. If you look at strong safety, notice that the Eagles never call Jalen Mills a strong safety. They call him a DB or they call him a safety. Uh, You know, Malcolm Jenkins was considered a strong safety, but he really played several different roles. He played nickel corner. He played uh, linebacker in, in diamond nickel packages. He, played corner at times like he played everywhere so I think they're gonna kind of uh solve that lack of versatility from Jenkins or the versatility void by using a guy like Will Parks who used to cover at Arizona who um is very versatile he can play nickel he can play strong safety he can play free safety and then they have Kayvon Wallace who can do the same and I think 
it's going to be a trio. It's going to take a village to kind of replace Jenkins on the field. And I think the Eagles view the safety position as having the best depth they've had in quite some time because they have three guys who they feel can step into a, a major role at, at the safety position opposite Roddy McLeod, uh, who will make the roster, who's got a contract that's essentially guaranteed for the next two years. So I think they feel good about those four guys. They also really like Graylin Arnold, the undrafted rookie from Baylor. Uh, I could see him playing several different roles. He can play corner, he can play safety. And then like the offensive line, we talked about it. I know I'm going off on a rant here, but uh, you and I talked about it last week. You know, they brought in Jason Peters to, to play right guard. I'm not buying that fully as like a genuine thing. Um, mm. I, look, I think his real value to this lineup is insurance for Andre Dillard. And I think that's clear. Um, I don't think it's definitely a smite of Andre Dillard to bring him in, but his real value is let's say Andre Dillard falters in the first three weeks. They know they can move Jason Peters over to the left tackle and have Matt Pryor play right guard. If Jason Peters struggles at right guard, are you really going to make him the swing tackle? If Andre Dillard is just okay at left tackle. I, I mean, I think that's something we really need to talk about. Maybe this is not a, you know, they're not spiting Dillard from the jump. They did the right thing by, you know, bringing in Peters and announcing him as a guard to take some pressure and public scrutiny off of Andre Dillard. But realistically, his best value is at left tackle. He's been an all pro there several seasons. He's played it basically his entire career, save one season at right tackle for the Bills in 2005. So um, I'm not buying that as 100% genuine. I do think they have a lot more confidence in Andre Dillard than has been talked about locally and nationally. That said, I don't think he has as much wiggle room to struggle this year as a lot of fans would hope. And so I think Jason Peters is a guy that gives you ultimate insurance at left tackle. If he can play right guard, terrific. If not, you have Matt Pryor. Um, and then behind them, there's a bunch of young guys competing for spots. Like we, you and I talked off record about or off, off the show about Jordan Melata. And like, for me, um, I don't see how he makes this team. I, yeah. I I mean, they just spent a draft pick on Jack Driscoll, who they like. I think Prince Teguanagu has very high upside, especially if he's healthy from uh, his meniscus surgery. Uh, they clearly like Matt Pryor. So, like, if you have Matt Pryor, you have six guys guaranteed to make the roster. He's going to be their legit sixth man. He's going to be like Big V where he backs up right guard and right tackle. Um, Peters is probably going to be their emergency left tackle. And if Peters is down, they'll move somebody like Isaac Samalu over. Um, I guess, but like, we need to see who's going to back up the left tackle spot, whether it's, you know, Dillard taking a backseat again, or Jason Peters, you're counting on him to really be around. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of competition abound. And I think it's really interesting to see kind of what happens. I'm interested to see if Nate Sudfeld finally claims this backup job. I think he will, but you never know with the talent that's out there in free agency. And jumping off that, what would you say is the position you're uh, most concerned about, or the Eagles should be most concerned about going to camp? I'm sure fans probably point to the linebacker. Um, that seems like the most obvious one, right? Yeah, I think linebacker is a bit of an issue. I, I think, look, you would love to have better talent at that position, but they clearly do not want to pay for it. I, I think ha Jatavius Brown is the only guy who's played 
more than four seasons. Um, you know, you've got a lot of special teams aces in there. Davian Taylor, who's got tremendous upside, still is kind of not new to football. I think that's a little overblown. I mean, but his only high school experience was in practice because of religious reasons. He also played a position that's not really applicable to what he's going to play at the NFL level uh, in college, where he was essentially a third safe. He was a nickel safety, basically uh, playing linebacker. Uh, he was asked to cover corner. I mean, he was sorry. He was asked to cover wide receivers and running backs. He won't be asked to do that at this level. I mean, he can, he's a freak. He's six foot and 228 pounds and he ran a faster 40 than Rasul Douglas. So he he's definitely a unique cat, but he also is going to have a learning curve. Um, you know, you, I mean, I look, I don't see the Eagles pulling like a D'Amico Ryan's trade out of nowhere, but um, they really need to feel comfortable with Gary and Edwards moving forward. I know a lot of the fan base doesn't. So um, that's concerning. Uh, you also have to worry about offensive line depth. Like what if Jason Peters just falters at right guard? What if he gets injured? I mean, you have no experience behind your sixth man who's Matt Pryor. So you're kind of going in blind. I mean, there's a lot of offensive lines in, in the league that don't have great depth, but you're also talking about the foundation of the Eagles offense in that offensive line. Um, running back's a little bit of a concern. I think Boston Scott showed a lot last year, but I also don't know if he can be a starter for four games and really be the bell cow. Um, that's a concern for me. Yeah, I, I think that I'll check. Is there is there anyone in particular that, I mean, it's going to be, we don't even know when the media is going to be allowed there, but is there someone that you were excited to watch in camp? Hmm. I mean, There's, Jalen Hurts is going to be the one that everybody had their eyes on, obviously, but. Yeah, I mean, I think Jalen Hurts is somebody who's interesting. I, I really am interested to see how they're going to use Jalen Rager. Uh, I mean, I think that's a huge question, right? Is Jalen Rager is going to have to step up. Like he, they really waited for the draft to improve that wide receiver room and they brought in three draft picks. They traded for Marquise Goodwin. They, you know, I think it was the right move to not attack the need in free agency, looking at who was available and what money they got. But you're also really depending on a guy who's not having a traditional off season and wide receiver is one of the toughest positions to convert from college to the pros. There's a lot of weight on Aaron Moorhead's shoulders and he's really got to make sure that he coaches Rager up. Uh, you know, and we, JJ Arcega Whiteside is somebody who I was really interested in seeing his improvement from, from year one to year two, the Eagles named him as one of their like off season program winners, whatever that means. I don't know how that's, that's judged, especially from a virtual standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, look, the cornerback battle is something that really interests me. And, and, you know, you know me, I like to study like all 90 players or whatever, but, um, there's an undrafted rookie that I'm really interested, intrigued by, Noah Tawagai, who uh, was a two-sport athlete at Oregon State. He played basketball. I mean, he barely played basketball there, but he was like a heavily recruited basketball player. He got recruited by like Utah State and Utah, uh, decided to stick with football, never really trained for football at the high school level, trained for basketball pretty much, uh, and then just you know became a, a pretty good tight end at Oregon State. He went undrafted. The Eagles seem to like him. I think uh, he'll be compete. You know, they cut Alex Ellis last week. Uh, there's only four tight ends going into training camp, which I think is interesting for a team that plays so much 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field. Uh, you know, we saw their offense kind of uh, 
not sputter, but during down that stretch when Zach Ertz got injured and um, it just wasn't very consistent. Then again, the offense hasn't really been consistent in the last two years. So who knows? Yeah, I think that sums up training camp pretty good. Is there anything else you wanted to hit before before we get going with some news and then head out of here? Um, you know, I think for for what the Eagles are trying to accomplish, they're one of the teams that's best fit to deal with with these circumstances. I think if you're if you're a, t- a young team, I mean, this is a young team now, but like they have veterans who can lead at every spot. I think if you're a team like the Cleveland Browns or you're a team like um, the Giants or you're a team like the Redskins who's lack- who are probably lacking in certain pockets of the, the roster leadership capabilities, this is going to be a really tough season. Like, I think the bad teams are really going to be bad. And I think the good teams are going to be okay. You know what I mean? Like, I think this is going to be a season where you're going to see a lot of you know, three, four, five win teams, and then quite a few 12, 13 win teams as well. Like it's going to be very, there's not going to be a lot of middle ground, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's a weird, very weird season ahead. Very weird training camp. And make sure you follow Mike along for the Eagles coverage. Cause <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, it's, we're, we're going to be struggling through it in a lot of the similar ways as everybody else is, especially players. I mean, not the same way, but. I don't know. It's just going to be a very weird season for everybody involved. And I, I have no idea how it's going to look. We don't even know when or when we'll be at training camp or what our coverage during the season will be like, if we'll be allowed to go to the road games. Like we don't know what the press box will look like. Cause I, they can't really have us. Most press boxes can't fit, especially the Eagles media six feet apart. So it's going to be very interesting to see like how that plays out. And I, I don't even know what the right phrase. I don't, I don't know if I'm looking forward to it as much as I'm just very curious to see how the season looks. Yeah, I mean, I think as as reporters, we always have a, a curiosity about everything, and I think like this. Look, this is going to be unprecedented. Um, I do wonder, you know, if teams, certain teams, don't have fans in the stands, they're not going to obviously have people in suites. I wonder if they separate us that way you know, to accommodate media yeah. and, and really do that. I mean, there's a chance. Well, and, then, and, then, and then some stadiums are supposedly going to have fans there. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the more, weird. I think the more cities and states that drop out of that, the closer you're going to probably get to a uniform system. Yeah. Because if there's only maybe like eight teams with fans, that's I, an unfair advantage yeah yeah i mean i don't know if it really helps you like if there's only like three to four teams that are affected by this then um that's whatever but i, I mean like here's my thing so the eagles play the the packers in in later on in the season and it's going to be freezing and it's going to be cold and the packers aren't going to have fans in the stands most likely like think about the change in environment there. Think about like the playoffs. Like it just, to me, this is going to be so surreal. Uh, it's like, as you guys know, I'm, I'm a big wrestling fan. I've been watching months of wrestling that's live uh, taped in Orlando where there are no fans or there are people from the company just out in the stands talking. And it's so, it's like you're in a dream. You're watching like tryouts. It's so weird. <laughs> Uh, so I'm intrigued to see how that'll be in a massive NFL stadium. Yeah, it's uh, that's going to be interesting. I, I mean, I'm curious if we'll even be 
if it'll, all the media will be traveling to the games or if they'll just do like a couple and it's a pool report kind of thing. Like almost all of our, actually all of our interviews are going to be on zoom as of now. So that part of it, like is at least, even when you're at the stadium, the interviews will be on zoom is my impression. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, and on that note, that's, we can transition from there to the, to the news that we'll end on here. And that's that this will in all likelihood be my last no huddle show as at least a co-host. I'm sure I'll make an appearance every now and then, but we'll be wrapping up my tenure here uh, as I go and focus more on the Giants and our Giants podcast, get that back going. Uh, at some point soon, I imagine there may or may not be another co-host here with Mike. He won't be doing solo podcasts. I don't know if everybody could take 45 minutes of Mike talking to himself. Uh, that would be a tough, tough listen. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it'd be, but, but, uh, it would be a tough task for me, to be honest. Yeah, with yeah, you. yeah. Be, you'd bring Brent over and just start talking to him, yeah. right? And, and Jack. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, I started this podcast with Elliot. He handed the reins off to me. And then for the most part, I've been doing the podcast with you. There was one podcast in between with Joe Giglio before you were uh, hired, like to preview the season two years ago now. Hey, you've almost been here two years. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun doing this pod. You know, we've kind of, we've gone through our bumps with some technical issues and us like kind of learning our way through like being co-hosts. And I think by the end we got into a rhythm and, you know, I'm looking forward to coming back on when the Eagles play the Giants or when you need a, need a guest, but yeah, the reins are being handed off to Mike and I'm sure it will do great from here on forward. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, um, I used to host my own show in, in Jacksonville, not well, but I did it. So, uh, you know, hopefully either we have some guest hosts on here or we have some, you know, something more permanent, but, uh, Zach, you've done a great job kind of producing, like a lot of people don't know this, but Zach really produces this show, uh, from behind the scenes. There's, you know, he normally has the rundown planned. Um, and he sets me up well with questions, which I always appreciate. Uh, I think we've, we've kind of found our niches and, and roles in this podcast and, it's a shame that it, it kind of has to go this way, but I'm super excited for you and, and the Giants coverage and the Talk is Cheap podcast, uh, you know, that you're probably going to do, I would imagine, with Matt Lombardo. So, uh, you know. Old No Huddle Show co-host as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so happy trails. I hope you guys leave some great comments in the comments section uh for zach because i think he's really earned it i think he's done a great job these past two years and you know we're, we're never going to talk again now so yeah oh yeah this i is mean the, this is the end of our relationship Mike. yeah i mean so like that's what i'm because everybody knows we hate each other so like yes. that's that's like <laughs> the long like stemming rumor is that we just can't stand one we, another. we're technically co-workers so we'll have to interact every now and then but this is the end of our relationship. Like just as long as everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah. Like it, the only way we're going to really interact is if I need to borrow a pen at MetLife stadium. Like, even then it will be, that will be a stretch. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll text message him. I'll, I'll, throw, I'll, I'll throw it to you. I mean, I'll try and throw it to you from six feet away, but I've never been a great quarterback. So uh, yeah, well, you know, you've never <laughs> been a really great host either, but it, it's okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so now that, now that you're done with the no huddle show, I think we need to pay off a longstanding joke. I, I think you need to go watch Tombstone this week. I think it's like I, it, I think it's important. I don't, I don't think I don't think I'm ever going to do that, Mike. I'm sorry. I I can't do it to satisfy you. It's just so you much better to, you that it angers you. Look, you can watch it and not tell me. Give me a review. Like nobody will know. 
but like you can just tell <laughs> oh, me i i'll know it. though i will know mike you will <laughs> i think it's on netflix right now by the way oh, uh, it's, yeah it's on, it's on it's on cable like all the time too yeah it's like oh look tombstone i could watch it but yeah but i wouldn't I watch like it I, shouldn't. I wouldn't watch it with like on on like regular cable because i think that yeah, yeah. i think the charms no. lost there i will i will watch it at some point before the season starts. How about that? Okay, that works. And then uh, <laughs> you'll get back to us on Twitter, I think. Uh, yeah, or maybe I'll, maybe I'll make an appearance on the No Huddle Show at some point in the future and we can talk about the movie. Oh, wait. Whoa, breaking news in the NHL world. Yeah, I saw that. Seattle Kraken. What a name. Which is weird because like when I was in Jacksonville, the soccer team down there was the Jacksonville Armada and their, uh, their, their mascot was the Kraken. But, uh, you know... Okay, cool. So wait, so is that gonna not to get too off base, but is that gonna is that an expansion franchise? I'm not honestly don't follow the NHL enough, but that it seems to be maybe I don't know. Well, you gotta <laughs> love that's something we that's something we should know. I will say the bigger news that that caught my eye during the podcast is that apparently Mike Tyson is going to be doing a exhibition match against Roy Jones Jr. But a couple of dudes who are like in their fifties or whatever. But I will be there for that. Yeah, I, mean, I will I'll be physically there, but I'll be watching it. You know, even in a pandemic, you can't stop Mike Tyson. Or apparently, I mean, Seattle. I mean, I, mean, all those, I mean, all those videos of Mike Tyson, like, be, have still have an insane speed. I've been like surfacing, so I'm. This has probably all been a build up to that. I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. With that, you know, with that Iron Mike news, we shall end on this note. This will be the last one I host, and it's been a lot of fun, guys. And thanks for listening. I hope you keep on coming back for for Michael over here. You want to give one one more deuces, Mike? For, for old time's sake, deuces. 